0: You are listening to the Happier at Work podcast and I'm your host Eva O'Brien. This is the podcast for HR and business leaders. We talk about things like leadership, well-being at work, diversity and inclusion and the future of work. Hello and welcome to episode 43 of the Happier at Work podcast. Today's guest is Garima Gupta. I saw her speaking at an event a number of months ago and I thought she would make a fantastic guest. She spoke all about how HR tend to be the people who everyone else goes to for support and therefore they're at higher risk of burnout and they're really spending a lot of time and energy looking after other people and perhaps neglecting to look after themselves. So if that sounds like you, this is definitely a podcast to tune into. Garima shares some really fantastic and practical tips and I will be asking at the end what you're going to do differently as a result of listening to the podcast so maybe have a think about that throughout the podcast as you're listening Garima is a self-proclaimed people geek and continuous learner. She's been working as a global HR leader for over 15 years across multiple industries and geographies, including India, China, Australia, Sub-Saharan Africa, the USA, the UK and some Central American countries. Over the years, she's been having really great conversations about the future of work, creating a better employee experience and investing in talent. As always, I love to hear your feedback on the podcast. Get involved in the conversation over on social media. Let me know what you think and what steps you're going to take as a result of listening to the podcast. Enjoy today's episode. Welcome, Garima, to the Happier at Work podcast. Would you like to introduce yourself to listeners?
1: Absolutely, thank you Aoife for inviting me and it is great to talk to your uh, listeners. So my name as Aoife introduced is Garima Gupta. I'm based here in DC, Washington DC. And I work in human resources, have been doing that for the last 17 years um, over uh, many countries, many geographies, many sectors. And now for the last seven years, I've been in the DC area working with social impact and nonprofit organizations. And I um, have to say that I've been doing lots of challenging things and a lot of fun things as well.
0: Brilliant. And Garima, we connected because you spoke at a conference recently, and, you, and I was just really intrigued with everything that you had to say. Because to me, it was something that people are not really talking about. And it's the area of well being, specifically for HR, because HR are typically seen as the go to people. Mm -hmm. But it's actually, you know, you share some really, really great tips on how HR can look after themselves and take their own advice as well. So I'd love to drill into, you know, maybe share some of the insights for our listeners about what HR can do to look after themselves, to maintain their own well-being, all of that, that great stuff that you spoke about.
1: Sure, so yes, I did recently speak in September at the Lattice Resources for Human conference. And uh, basically I was trying to bring voice to the HR folks, right? Because often we are charged with the responsibility of taking care of people in every possible sense. And right now with the pandemic and everything else that's going on in the world, no matter which part of the world you live in, it is nearly impossible that something or the other is not going on in your personal life or in the professional life. And HR is responsible for taking care of that mental well-being of staff, even when you're working remotely. And what I've found in talking to many of my peers, many and you know, in, in, in every country that they live in the common theme that I found out is that, well, who's the HR for HR, right? And the question that I was trying to explore in my conversation is, well, why do we need an HR for HR, right? And the question that we were all trying to answer is that in taking care of other people, are we forgetting to take care of ourselves? And, we owe it to ourselves to take care of that. So one of the things that you and I discussed was that very known phrase that we often use um, and probably we hear every time we uh, uh, were in an airplane back then to say, put your own mask first before putting it even on your child, right? Because when you can breathe, you can help somebody else. And so I think the same thing applies to us that when we are happy, when we are in a better mental state, then we are able to take care better of the employees or of the leaders or of the managers that we are supposed to take care of. And what I often find is that HR puts themselves last Mm -hmm. and often all of the things that we are telling other people to do to say, take time off, switch off, switch off your laptops and don't look at it when you are on leave. We don't, we are not good listeners to our own advice (laughs) and the result of that is that there's a huge burnout in the HR uh, teams, no matter what size of team you are like. Like, So let's just, for example, take you know, the HR to employee ratio. If you were to look at it in typically even larger organizations, sometimes it is as much as one to 1,000 employees. And can you imagine that one person being responsible for so many people's well-being and what does, what must it do to that person's well-being? right? There's ought to be something that I called compassion fatigue, which I was learning in, um, while learning about, you know, what is affecting us and it's bound to happen, right? It, we, we all reach those of us who've been working in HR for some time. I think you will, um, kind of connect to the fact that there comes a point when you are like, if an employee is crying to you or if they are telling you about a problem, you reach a point at some day where you're like, right, what do you want me to do about it? Or I can't listen to it anymore. Or it, it doesn't yeah. impact you. you. The empathy, the compassion that you need to bring to your job in order to do this job better, it sometimes dims out when you don't take care of yourself. So that's kind of, you know, that's what we were talking about.
0: Yeah, yeah. And it makes so much sense that you just reach a certain, you've just reach a stage where you just don't feel like you care anymore. And it's really, it's worrying to know that it, it's, it's become a real problem for a lot of people who work in HR because they are taking the brunt of a lot of what is going on in the world mm-hmm. at the moment and trying to deal with it and trying to manage it. Um, and you have some really, really great tips and insights to share. I'd love to, to, drill into those in a little bit more detail and you know like you say putting your own mask on first but but what kind of steps can people take and I suppose the maybe we start with the prevention like to prevent burning out in the first
1: place. Yeah so I think we need to remember that HR is not like all other functions right because um, we're not like a development team where we come with lots of these skills to say, how do you code or how do you code better or how do you do a hackathon which will teach you any of these things. A lot of the skills that we need to come with, we need to develop on the job, right? Because we learn from when we do it. Because nobody tells us how to have that bad body odor conversation with that, you know, staff member that people want to say, oh, my God, that person smells and I don't know how to tell them that. We get to do that, right? Like, did you? get taught about it, how how to do that? No. Or, uh, you know, when people misbehave in the office party and um, you need to put your hat on and you need to go and talk to them, none of these skills are taught. So I I think if we were to talk about a really broad prevention conversation, I would say that this is a conversation that leaders uh, need to have with their HR teams to say, what is it that you need? And because some of it is not going to get dealt with at the university level or at whatever the SHRM course level or whatever the course level that you're learning or CPD or you know wh- whatever is the course in whichever country, it doesn't teach you that. It talks mm-hmm. about law, it talks about compliance, it talks about policy, but you don't get to learn what it is r- like to talk to a person or to help a person out in these difficult situations. And no matter how many You cannot design just a course that will define it, right? So do you provide coaching to your HR folks? We we are so good in providing coaching to others, right? We recommend beautiful coaches to our performers, our non-performers, our leaders, but what about getting some coaching for HR? Um, All of these mental wellness tools that we are providing to say, use the Calm app or the Balance app, or here's a free tool, uh, how do you provide space in your own life to be able to do that? And... I think one of the biggest challenges that I've seen if find people really being able to even take a step in this is that this very common theme that but you're h r like why would you need this? like you know you've got it all sorted out, you sort it out for everybody else, yeah why do you need like any of this and and I think that's a myth that we need to break that's mm-hmm. a myth that can be broken by these conversations where you help them understand that you are human too, right? And you need some of these conversations. Some of us are lucky that we work in teams where, you know, you can go talk to your boss or you can go talk to a teammate, you can vent out. But not all of us have that, right? Some, some of us don't work in large teams. Some of us work in teams which are like spread across many countries. And so it May be difficult to understand the context of it. So, how do you provide support to your HR teams? And some of it may be very customized, right? Like the support that I need may be very different to me for what you need mm-hmm. in your workplace. So, there needs to be a conversation which is then held at that leadership level to say, what is it that we can provide? The other thing that for HR professionals I would say is that learn to say no. And this is something that I said at the conference as well, because We find it so hard to say no. We all are so helpful. We want to help. We cannot say no. But you need to understand how much you can chew and therefore how much you should bite, right? And this uh, inability to say no is something that I'm always struggling with. And I am learning to push back and say no and not feel so guilty about it that the next moment I say, it's okay, I'll take care of it. Don't worry about it. So how how do you say that? And and if there is a way, a better way of saying it so that you are convinced first and therefore you are able to convince the other person that this is a good idea. Yeah. Um, in, in a lot of organizations, what I find is, and, and I'll speak from a nonprofit experience because that's what I've been doing in the nine, eight, seven, eight years um, in the past, is that there is this culture of niceness that exists in nonprofits, where, which leads to non-accountability and non-management. So this whole governance problem that exists, and, I, and I, it exists in for-profit or commercial organizations as well, but it's rampant in nonprofits which then what happens is that we become pseudo-managers for so many teams. Okay, we are yeah. not coaching the manager to be a better manager. We literally start managing that teams. We are in the PIP conversations, right? So much so that we are leading the PIP conversation. But do you really know what that other person is doing? You have to sit down and understand and then be there. So we as HR people need to draw those lines and sometimes draw those lines with a red marker to say, no, this, this is my boundary. And it's not because I don't care. It's because I care too much. That's why I need to draw the boundary. So yeah. that A, you learn. And B, I don't get burnt out that I stopped care.
0: I totally agree. And it's interesting because I, I come from a commercial background. And I kind of took for granted that I learned fairly early on how to manage clients And in that, it it was about negotiating. So, if a client has a specific request that needs to be carried out and it's going to take, you know, five full working days to do it, and then they come with something else and they say, well, actually, I need this as well. It's about negotiating then, okay, so if you have this work, then what what can you take off my plate? And it's, absolutely. it absolutely it does take a while to get there. I'm not going to lie and be like, "Oh, I learned how to do it, and I was able to do it straight away, <laughs> and I was able to manage everything." Yeah. It doesn't. It takes. It takes hard work. It takes a lot of, um, you know, kind of almost feeling sorry for yourself because the client has given you so much work, but it's not the client who has given you the work. It's you who has accepted it, taken it out any negotiation whatsoever so it really is important initially to recognize that like if you are working too much and I I carried out a survey not too long ago and in it I asked about what were the main struggles that people were having and this was among senior HR leaders and one of the struggles was I'm it's not not necessarily afraid to say no but afraid to admit to the boss that I can't cope with the workload at the moment because then they're going to think that I don't have what it takes to do the job, or that I'm not good enough. There's all of these fears around saying no, or, or, or letting someone know that actually, this is, this workload is too much for me at the moment, and I really can't cope. Um, any yeah. thoughts around that? Like, is that around, is that learning your boundaries and and overcoming fears of saying no, and being vulnerable as well and saying, actually, I can't cope without fear of judgment.
1: Yeah, I, a big one, right? That, that's one of the big ones. So I think, um, so one of the things in the commercial sector that, that I learned about cost centers and profit centers, right? Like a very common language. And HR is often thought of as cost center. Because you're not earning money, you're not bringing money, you <laughs> yeah. spend money. right? Yeah. And the that's kind of the biggest conversation I always have with my CFO or my finance person to say, well, if I don't, then there will be no organization left. Um, so uh, HR needs to come out of that hole where they constantly keep thinking that somehow everybody has done them a favor by hiring them. They haven't, believe me. And you need to feel confident that what you are contributing to the organization is super valuable. Mm-hmm. If nothing else, this COVID times, and I think there is enough data out there, has shown organizations what their HR teams can do, that mean for them, and what's the value of the organization, or organization's HR team, right? Without us, this whole conversion from immediately being a hybrid organization or a in-person organization to a remote organization was not possible, right? I know IT has a role to play by giving us Slack and Zoom and all of those, but we help them think through it, that what is it that we need? All of these communications that have been going out nonstop, which are helping with employee morale, they wouldn't exist. All of this working out that HR is constantly doing to save every job possible in the organization or to do humanly the furloughs or the restructuring that needs to happen, that cannot stop, we do that right mm. we are the front face of the organization in having that and then all of these well-being options that we are providing these guides that we are building up for constantly telling staff to say how to do it as a working parent how to do it uh, as a remote manager how to do it you know so many of those we've done it and we we need to be proud of the things that we've achieved yeah. and we need to be able to go out there and pitch that this is the development teams, comms team. Mm. Everybody sends out these monthly things to say, here's what we achieved. Here's the funds that we've raised or here's the what product team has built. Does HR ever send you anything like that? Have you ever seen an HR team do like that? Never. <laughs> Why? Because we constantly are busy with the next problem to solve, Mm -hmm. right? But you know what, you need to sit down and have a look back because your team needs it. Your team needs to know how well you are doing, right? Mm -hmm. And we need to have that pat on the back. If nobody else is giving, then we need to first start by ourselves and then pitch it to our CEO or whoever um, that C-suite is to say, listen, this is what your HR team has achieved. Sometimes we've achieved it with zero budget, yeah. Right? I used to work with a private equity organization where the HR budget was like just shoestring budget because we were spending all of our money in mergers and acquisitions. And we were constantly, you know, acquiring organizations. And then we were the face of we where people got to hate us. Right. Because they were like, oh, you are changing my workplace. And I don't have, I don't know, sunscreen allowance. That, that was one of the things that came up wow. in Australia. and. And you have to bear it all Mm. and you have to bite your tongue and you have to still be the nice face and do all of those kind of things. Does anybody value that? If you don't speak out, if you don't have a voice, nobody listens to you. And so all I am saying is, hey, HR folks, you've been telling and I advise people to say, find your voice. Mm. I'm asking the HR folks to find their voice because listen, all of this work that you are doing some of it may be beautiful. Some of it may be not. But if you are not documenting and speaking about it, then people are not noticing. And of course, they will take you for granted. Yeah. The choice is yours. You want to be taken for granted or you want to be valued. And it is, mm-hmm. if you keep fearing that, oh, if I speak up, then I will be pointed out as the noisy bugger. Then how? what is the advice that you're giving to your people? Because- People's voice in the organization is important, and I think many organizations have learned that through the very hard way. And so, your voice is important, right? Because aren't you supposed to be representing the people's voice in the decision-making room? Mm-hmm. So, where's your own voice?
0: Yeah, you have yeah. your
1: own voice, right? That—that's kind of what I would like to say.
0: Yeah, I really like that approach. And coming from a commercial background, that it like you know we were expected to do that on a at least on a monthly basis, if not, well, I'm sorry, at the very minimum on a quarterly basis when we would have our quarterly check-ins and we were talking about all of the wonderful things that we did, um, you know, and, and that kind of stuff would have been shared within the business, you know, if there were certain wins in, you know, if we won certain clients or made certain sales, things like that. Um, I've, Like you say, I've never seen anything for HR. I just wanted to touch back on a point that you made earlier as well in relation to, HR and how, um, HR advise everyone about what, what it is to do. And Mm -hmm. it's, it's this, this same idea. You'll, you'll have heard this before with it's the cobbler's shoes are always the ones that are the most worn out. So Oftentimes, you know, and as a coach, so I trained as a coach and as a coach, I, it's, it's definitely, it's, you can't coach yourself. I suppose is what I'm trying to say. So you are expending all of your energy coaching other people, but you, as a coach, need to have someone else who can coach you because you cannot coach yourself because you can't see things from multiple different perspectives. You know, so I suppose that's another reason why HR need to have that outlet. Who is it that that they can work with? How? Uh, who can they, who can they um, share their woes with? And also when it comes to leadership, you know how can they express their needs or how can they understand what it is that they need? Because sometimes we don't actually know what it is that we need. We know that our needs are not being satisfied, but if we took some time to think about, well, what is it exactly that I need in this role? Yeah. And be able to, like you say, use your voice and share that need with who, who, whoever can make a difference to you.
1: Yeah, and and that's where, you know, one of the things that I proposed was that you need to get to talk to someone, right? It could be somebody at work. But if you don't have that somebody at work, then you ought to find your community, right? And uh, those communities exist. They exist in different formats. There are beautiful HR Slack communities. uh, Resources for Humans by Lattice is one of them, one of my favorite. Uh, There are many others. And this is where we get to... Go and have our voice and solve our problems because we know they understand us. They get us when we say something. There, there are so many people kind of virtually nodding their heads and saying, "Yep, yep, I got it. Yes, yeah. yes." I, let's let's talk, and just that validation itself is helpful. Yeah, and knowing that that you need that validation, right? Like, uh, I I think for me, why I go to that Slack community is because. I know if I have a problem, even though people may not have a direct solution, they will help me problem solve it. They will say, here's a resource. Do you want to try that out? Here's one way. Even if I don't have a budget, sometimes people will help me workshop my problems. Mm. And similarly, I can offer that in return, right? And so knowing that is helpful. There there are LinkedIn groups, Yahoo groups, Google groups, um, so many of them. You need to find out what is it that you can manage right because all of these things take time as well and so what can you contribute what can you take from there how do you go there they, there could be that one-on-one coaching piece that uh, if you were mentioning because for some of us you're right we need to first identify what is it that we want what is it that will help us not to burn out because mm-hmm. um, if we don't know that then we'll be back in that circular thing where we do something something gets fixed then we're back to square one And then the whole cycle starts again. So uh, really getting a coach who can help you understand what is it that you need? Because coaches need coach too, right? As you said. (laughs) So I think finding that out and sometimes it is as simple as like really taking some time off. I, and I'm saying this while telling you that I, I had to cancel some of my leave recently because of something that arose at work. Um, and it is difficult sometimes because HR teams are quite small. They people are quite dependent on them. But one of the things that my coach told me was, why do you need to be the hero? Mm. Why do you think that you are so important that you are the only person who can solve the problems? Are you? Are you the only one? And if yes, then I think you are to blame or not creating other outlets where mm. other people can solve the problems too. Mm. And so what partnerships are you creating within the organization, in senior leadership, in other management spaces, on your team, where others can step in when you need to step out, right? Because if you haven't, then there is some blame on you to create in, in a way that everything is dependent on you, yeah. right? We always coach on whether, when and we do succession planning, that how are you creating ways that, the organization can survive without you, right? Yeah. That is one of the things we talk to leaders. So how are you as an HR person creating those outlets for staff, where even if you're not there for a week, there's somebody who can do some of the pieces that you do, maybe not all of it, but some of it at least. And so that's that's another thing, like this feeling of that, I am the only one or this dependency, Nobody is indispensable. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing to remember. And the other thing that I tell myself is I'm not a brain surgeon. So nothing can be so important that I need to check my email at nine at night, except for sometimes when, yes, my staff is international and they're going for a trip, which I know they're doing it in a dangerous area. In those times, I know that they will contact me on my cell and, you know, we've got mechanisms and so, so on and so forth. But in all other normal circumstances, it's okay to switch yourself off. It's okay to leave the side of your computer or your phone or whatever. This this new era of this productivity and uh, busyness that we've all kind of come into where, you know, one of the things that I uh, said was that busyness has almost become this new status symbol Mm -hmm. where these days people ask you, so how are you doing? And we say, oh my God, I'm so busy. I'm swamped. And we feel so proud of it yeah. that when we don't have that to say, we are like, huh, maybe they'll think that I don't have enough work to do or something like that. Yeah. But, but you know what? I, we should feel proud to say I had a day off and I spent it with my child or I, I don't know, I just read a book which made me feel so good. Yeah. How much of that are we getting? Because who are we competing with? The problem is that we're only competing with ourselves. Yeah. And the same applies to all HR folks as well, that we understand you are busy, but What have you done to try not to be busy for a little period of time?
0: Yeah, I like that question. It's quite powerful, isn't it? What have you done to try to not be busy? Because exactly as you say, asking yourself that question, I think, is is powerful in itself. Um, Yeah. Because,
1: you know, one of the things that I really believe in and I wish I could share the diagram is that there's this um, concept that was shared in the Stephen Covey book, which is about the circle of control and the circle of influence. Yeah. And so are you worrying about the things that you can control and change? Or are you just worrying about all of the things to say, oh my God, what's happening in the election and what maybe if it is within your control, then mm-hmm. do it right? Like it's within my control to go vote. Go vote early. Yes. Yes, do that. But you can't control the outcome of the elections. Mm-hmm. What you can is. Um, you can advise your staff as to, you know, what they can do, no matter which side they have chosen, right? And how to have a more professional argument rather than one which disrupts the workplace. So so always thinking about what's in your power, what's in your control to do and trying not to worry too much about the things that you cannot control. That is a concept that always have you. You have to keep coming back to the concept because we all have this thing that we, there's so much content coming to us, like in social media, in like YouTube and Instagram and Facebook that we read it and it elevates our blood pressure, right? And we (laughs) all then get so animated to say oh my god oh my god this is happening that you know in britain this is happening in london this is happening in australia this is happening so how is that really in your control and if not then learn to switch it off right like i i avoid all social media except yes i do go on linkedin but apart from that i don't do any social media and it helps me feel calm and i have no FOMO, like no fear of missing out on anything. I haven't for the last four years now. Yeah. yeah. So, so find out what helps and what doesn't and be courageous enough to leave the things that don't help you. Yeah. And don't, don't add anything to your life. You've got to switch off something because there is just way too much content and you can't read it all. You can't mm-hmm. digest it all in any way.
0: I loved what you had to say about why you need to be the hero because I don't think that, that's not exclusively for HR, but I can understand how HR yeah might feel that like tenfold versus someone else. So, you know, for me in my commercial role, you always think I'm so important. The client only wants to speak with me or if I'm gone or if I leave the organization, then they'll be lost without me. When actually you might not do the job in exactly the same way, but everyone puts their own stamp on it. And it's about that being able to recognize that you don't have to be there all the time. And exactly like you said, Garima, like getting to a stage where people are not reliant on you setting up systems or partnerships or whatever it might be that means that you don't have to be there that All if of are the not there yes. then someone else can answer that question because it's Absolutely. documented somewhere or um, you've spoken to someone about it or something like that and I think that's that's really important because sometimes we pick up our own self-importance and we think, oh, well, you know, I have to be here to answer it, or I have to be here to look after whoever it is, um, you know, that's coming to speak to me. Um, how are you creating ways that the organization can survive without you? Like that's again, another really, really crucial question. And this, the concept of business, and it's, I think this is a, it's a global thing at the moment, isn't it? Where, Um, I've stopped saying I'm really busy because people, you know, some people stopped contacting me because (laughs) because they said, oh, I bet you're really busy. (laughs) See
1: the side effects of that. (laughs) Absolutely.
0: Oh, I bet you're really busy because you're always really busy. You're always doing stuff. And that is a persona or a, a concept that I created for myself. And it, I've no one to blame but myself. So I try not to use that term busy anymore. And I try to use the term productive. So um, and to me, busyness and productive are different things. And it's really focusing more on the outcomes. Like what is it that you're trying to achieve yeah. versus busyness? You can be busy doing anything. Yep. You know, you can fill your day. And I read something um, a little while ago about, uh, I think it was just like a phrase, and it was saying, you'll always be busy. There will always be work to do. No matter what you do, you will always find work to do. And it's knowing when you can switch off and when you can say, I have achieved what I set out to achieve for the day or for the hour or for the week. And just having, maybe it's courage, You know, like you mentioned earlier, it's having that courage to actually say, I've done enough and now I can switch off. There are some things that are deadline driven. Yeah. But for the most part, it's it's you're just adding to your pile of work. So maybe it's a case of focusing on what really needs to be done. And if it's genuinely, some, you know, if there's genuinely too much work for one person, then you need to ask for help. You do. Yes. Yeah.
1: Because if you don't, then the other person is not going to guess it. Yeah. So you need to speak up. And the other thing I would say is that, you know, this feeling of even with deadlines, what I would say is that many of those deadlines can be negotiated. Yeah, yeah. So if you've said that I'll take five days, but once you get into the work, you realize, well, this is too big and I actually need 10 instead of five. Yeah. Communicating it back and yeah. saying that, well, I really could do it in 10 days and yeah. maybe you'll end up doing it in eight instead of the 10 because they really need it. Mm. But having those conversations and not just biting it and then, you know, living with the pain and being the martyr to say, oh my God, my like everybody just dumps their work on me. Yeah. Don't allow them to. Don't yeah. allow me. I think that's the saying. That's what I mean by, you know, HR finding its voice to say, yeah. be open about these concepts, to say, this is what's happening in HR. If you want me to recruit 12 roles, I need some help because, you know, it it takes time to do that. I also, I still have my day job. Yeah. yeah. on top of that, you're giving me this, right? So those conversations need to be happening. And then all the conversations and all the solutions are not heavy and big. What I would also like to say is that, do some of those wellness things, right? Mm-hmm. Like I proposed building your own emotional first aid kit. Yeah. And those could be something very simple. Like if I start my day with my exercise and with the 10 minutes of meditation, my day goes really well. The days when I don't get to do that because I have 7 a.m. meetings, I'm pissed off the entire day. Yeah, so I've discovered this about myself. And so I openly tell everybody to say, if you book 7 a.m. meetings and you don't allow me time to be myself, I'll be a grumpy monster. And so be prepared to deal with that. (laughs) So, you know, understand yourself. Something may help, right? These days, everything is pressure. We are living in a pressure cooker where we have to manage virtual schools, where we have to manage, you know, your partners are there all of the time. There's no... Uh, getting them away from you and there's this bickering that happens because, (laughs) ah, you've not done the dishes in two days and I've been doing everything. All that comes up, right? (laughs) Um, And the children need you constantly because they're not out with their friends. They're not, there's no outlet for anybody. So how do you create that space for yourself, right? It's Mm -hmm. important. So decide what, maybe you can't do lots of it, but maybe can you do something? Is there a friend that really makes you laugh, makes you Mm -hmm. feel good, make a call, book it, book it in your diary. Like Mm -hmm. I said, book a time to even worry because if you worry constantly, then it gets to you, right? It stresses you out. Make time for those things that help you because once you are in a better place, you are double productive than what you were. And these are statistics, right? Like uh, this is not something that I'm making up. But when I am in a better mental state, I have more creative ideas, I'm more innovative, and I'm more open to my team telling me how to do things differently.
0: I buy into that concept that if you are, if you work better mentally, you can be more productive. And it's not a case, you know, you'll have seen this research as well where where they say you get to X number of hours per week. I don't know, it's, I'm sure it's less than 40. and after that, you're actually not productive at all. And and some might say that you're productive maybe two or three hours within a day when you're working, supposed to be working for eight yeah. hours off that day, you know. Yeah.
1: Uh, I think there's even research how productive you are on Zoom and when do you get Zoom fatigue in a day. Okay. Um, I'm happy to share some of those I'm details. To have research <laughs> on
0: Zoom fatigue. I would actually see that as well. Yeah,
1: and there are lots. If, if you are a technology geek, then there are lots of apps these days. There is this app that I mentioned. If if you are on Slack as as work, it's called ENSONSO. Mm. and you can just add it for free, and it reminds you um, to breathe, just to breathe deeply. Wow. And it is so powerful. Yeah. And then uh, there's another app which tells you that because there's, a, if you go to your eye doctor, they will tell you 20, 20, 20. And what it means is basically every 20 minutes, uh, f- look 20 feet away, at least for 20 seconds. Oh, it helps your eyes, it helps okay. your brain. Yeah. And there have are apps that do that for you. You don't have to remember it. You don't have to put a timer. Yeah. You just need to put the app on your phone, on your yeah. laptops or on your Slack and it will right. remind the entire organization to do that. Yeah. It's so not I tough things
0: to do. Yeah. I mean, I I hadn't, that hadn't occurred to me as, as part of the reason. I, I just thought because you're at a screen and it's, blue light and all of this, whatever. I didn't realize because it's in such close proximity to my eyes, that my eyes aren't, they're not actually getting that, the long range uh, focus and and things like that. So that's super interesting. Um, Garima, is there anything else that that you'd like to share that we
1: haven't covered in the podcast? Uh, No, I think just be good to yourself, right? Like (laughs) you are being asked to be good to others and you ask others to be good to themselves, then Please, please be good to yourself and do yes. something for yourself. And you will see that you are better at your job, better within the family. And I know that it doesn't come easily, that as I think Aoife, you were saying, it comes with practice, right? You have to force yourself sometimes. Mm-hmm. So that's why I would propose journaling, because sometimes it helps just writing things down. Like I said, I have like this anger journal. It was just, just like sometimes my writing tells me how angry I am <laughs> because I'm like just oh, putting the pen to the paper really hard. Yeah. It may be recording, like sometimes, you know, you are too tired to write, then record some things on the phone and I don't know, delete it if that's too bad. Yeah. But do something to get that went out. Yeah. Just yeah, all those weird thoughts on a piece of paper and I don't know, crush it. One of my friends just crushes it yes. and throws it away. She feels like she's crushed all those bad feelings and thrown them away. So find your mechanism, right? And, yes. and I think sometimes talking with a coach, talking with other people, it gives, brings up tips which you haven't tried before. And you're like, right, I can try that. That seems easy. Mm-hmm. Why don't I? So, so have a conversation amongst yes. your HR folks, among, you know, your, wherever you are and whoever you could talk to.
0: Yeah, yeah. I've recently finished reading um, The Chimp Paradox. I don't know if you've heard of it or if you've read it. Yeah, so it's all about the the different brain. He, he calls it like the emotional brain is essentially the chimp because it's, it's um, primitive. And uh, as I was reading it, it occurred to me, so you've got the chimp brain, you've got the human brain, you've got the computer. The computer is where all the programs run from. It can have Um, programs that help you or programs that hinder you, depending on the information that the chimp feeds it. And it occurred to me as I was reading the book that it's the chimp is responsible for a lot of our, of what's going on. So maybe it's thinking about journaling and saying, this is what the chimp wants to say, you know, and really getting those emotions out there and say, okay, so this is the chimp talking now, and I can say anything I want
1: on this, you know, Yeah. 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 Don't suppress those emotions. Sometimes they need to be let out. Even don't try to be nice all of the time. Yeah. We're not meant for that. So put it down on a piece of paper or, you know, wherever your secret locked diary, like, you know, teenagers in US have those diaries, which can be locked. (laughs) Have one or buy one of those and just put it out there and I don't know, delete it, crush it, redline it, whatever you want to do. But it's a matter of putting those emotions out so that you're not swirling with them every single day. And because it it it's causes stress yeah. and then ultimately would lead to that compassion fatigue. This is
0: it, yeah. And that kind of circles back to what we were talking about earlier. So the question I ask everyone who comes on the podcast, what makes you happier at work?
1: I think what makes me happier at work is when I have lots of ideas and I have a way to put those ideas to practice. Um, and when I know that, my team is getting everything that they need to be successful. And similarly, that goes out to not just the HR team, but the broader organization to say, what is it that they need to be successful? And are we being able to provide that? And also the other thing would be that if I can exercise and meditate every day, that makes me happy at work. (laughs) Brilliant. Um, And if people want to reach
0: out to you, if they want to learn more about um, what, you know, the, the, information that you're sharing that you're, you're the wonderful um insights that you're sharing what's the best way that they can do that
1: um i am very uh, present on linkedin so please do find me on linkedin and that's the best way to connect i'm happy to also share a link of the um conference that I had gone to and there is a recording of it um, that you can share with your listeners um, my details are there and I'm happy to share even my email address if somebody wants to just talk to me one-on-one and ask a particular question
0: fantastic yeah that's brilliant thanks so much so I can put all of that information in the show notes as well for anyone who okay. wants to all
1: right, wonderful. I'll make sure that you have that you've got my LinkedIn but I'll send uh, my email address as well
0: brilliant great well thank you so much for your time today I could have gone on for another few hours (laughs) talking about what we're talking about and how we can help HR to perform better and to to feel better as well. So thank you so much.
1: Thanks, Ifa. Thanks for inviting me.
0: Very well. look forward to talking to you again. Likewise. That was Garima Gupta with lots and lots of useful and practical tips to share for HR people if you're really struggling at the moment with overwhelm. And you're finding it really hard to say no and to take on some new work. Even if you're not in HR, I think a lot of those findings can really apply to you as well. So as I mentioned at the start, I do want to involve you in the conversation and ask you what is one thing that you are going to do differently as a result of listening to this podcast? And in order to do that, I'm going to do a recap on some of the key points that I found So the first one is that leaders need to have a conversation with HR about what they need. So if you're a business leader, maybe touch base with your HR and see what exactly is it that they need. If you are HR, take time to really reflect on what it is that you need and think about that and ask for it. Ask for what you need. Number two then is to learn to say no. Garima spoke about this culture of niceness in which there's no accountability, but there's also no management and often HR step in to cover tasks that are not really, they're not that's not really within their remit, have really clear boundaries, maybe look to employ some skills around negotiation. So the example that I shared was that if someone asked you to do something in addition to what you're doing, find a way to... Take something else off your plate. Number three, then, is that the team needs to know how well HR are doing. So, this is about really speaking up, finding your voice, creating a document, creating some sort of communication to let people know what you're up to. All the brilliant guides that you've created, all of the work that you're doing behind the scenes, as well to keep the company in really great running order. Number four, is to find a community. So the ones that she mentioned specifically were the HR Slack community and the the RFH Lattice as well. She mentioned that this is specifically as a way of validation. So, you know, whether you, you can get help from those people directly or maybe they can help you to problem solve the issue yourself. Numbers five, six, seven and eight, I've sort of grouped them together because they are quite similar. And it really starts with number five, take some time off. The question that she asked was, why do you need to be the hero? And really, really liked that. It's such an interesting concept because we all have this, you know, we we're afraid to let go. We think that we're the only ones that can do things, but actually it's allowing other people the opportunity to step up and show their skills Number six, then, how are you creating ways that the organization can survive without you? So that's putting the onus back on you to facilitate and enable other people to be able to do what it is that you do. Number seven, what have you done to try not to be busy? Another really powerful question and one that I'm going to employ in my own day to day work as well. Number eight, Look at your circle of control versus your circle of influence and be courageous enough to leave things that don't help you. So what is within your control realistically and really focus on that which is in your control and don't focus on those things that are out of your control. Number nine then is this idea of creating an emotional first aid kit. And I really liked this concept. And again, I've sort of grouped the things under that that she mentioned because for me it's all part of this same concept of knowing what it is that you do when you run into those difficulties uh, mentally emotionally so within the emotional first aid kit then it's really about understanding yourself taking time to manage the pressure that you're under make a call or book in a call with a friend book in time to worry be good to yourself. So do something for yourself, do something that you really, really enjoy doing. And as a result, you will become better at your job. She also mentioned about journaling and specifically maybe having an anger journal if you're feeling a lot of anger, but just a way to let those emotions out. That is it for this week's podcast. I hope you enjoyed the conversation as much as I enjoyed having it. As always, Love to hear your feedback. Get involved in the conversation over on social media. You can find me on LinkedIn, Aoife O'Brien or Aoife M O'Brien, A O I F E. You can find me on Instagram as well, happieratwork.ie. And there's also a Facebook group for podcast listeners, which is called Happier at Work. Next week's guest is Helen Joy and she speaks to us all about early managers and how to be a more effective manager and when you first take that step into a new managerial role what sort of approaches can you take to it and what is it that you really need to learn. So it's another really great episode and I'm looking forward to sharing it with you until next week. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Happier at Work podcast. I'm delighted to have you here. If you enjoyed this podcast, I'd love if you could rate or review the podcast or share it with a friend. You'll find me on the website, happieratwork.ie.